When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Temporary Admission, the podcast where we speak to some of the art industry's most influential people to find out who they are, what they're up to, and what's next. Today, we're going to be speaking with conservator Hal Jacob from London-based Plowden Smith, who specialises in the conservation and restoration of some of the world's most precious paintings and objects. Now, Hal, I suspect a lot of people listening to this podcast will have probably already dealt with someone like yourself, if not even you directly, when getting works restored uh, previously, if they've, you know, been preparing items for sale or perhaps they've inherited an heirloom that has maybe not had the care and attention that it, it deserved over time. But before we go on and talk about something that you've restored that's been pretty spectacular recently, could you tell us a little bit more around who you are and how you got to where you are today, where... You've got people all over the world entrusting you with some of their most precious items. Uh, yes, well, my name is Hal. I work as a metals restorer for Plowden and Smith. We are a uh, conservation and uh, restoration company based in southwest London. I actually got into conservation back in 2009. I studied uh, conservation of historic objects at Lincoln University. And after that, I was lucky enough to get an internship at the National Museum of Scotland in conservation and restoration of industrial and mechanical objects. And and that specialised in clocks, working objects, so often little models that might be on display in the museum with moving parts. And so I learned a lot about mechanical objects and a lot about restoration of metals. Following that, I uh, worked freelance as a conservator for a couple of years, doing quite a range of conservation treatments for more than one company up in Edinburgh. And then I got offered a job at Plowden and Smith in the metals department. And that's where I've been now since 2014. Wow. So basically, if we need something restoring that is metal or, you know, has many moving parts and you're clearly the go-to guy when it comes to that but I think what would be quite interesting and you know it seems to be a, definitely a theme on these podcasts at the moment is understanding whether it was something that you always wanted to do because I mean I never knew that you could become a restorer of works that are in precious metals or statues for example that's something that you know up until recently I certainly didn't know you could do but was it something that you were pursuing from an early age? I've always loved, since I was really young, I've always loved taking things apart and putting them back together again. I have always been interested in rescuing things from being thrown away and preserving old items. I like industrial history. They've always been topics that have interested me. Less so art. When I was younger, um, I've 
gained more of an appreciation of art since working at Plowden's. But actually, my first degree was in mathematics. And only later I decided, after kind of a fun four years at university, that maths ultimately wasn't really what I wanted to do. And then I started looking into other options that I wasn't really aware of earlier on. And that's what led to doing the the conservation course at Lincoln. Yeah, that's interesting you say that, because I think up until joining Queen's, I didn't know that actually working in the art world was an option for me. But it seems that you were able to discover that a lot earlier on in your career, which is um, which is great. But I don't know, it seems like maybe art when you're younger isn't highlighted enough as a career that you can work in. I don't know whether that was what you found as well. Yes, I think maybe when you're young, perhaps art is seen as a a kind of luxury thing that you can dabble in. Perhaps it's not seen as a kind of serious career or Exactly. And I wish that would change because there seems to be such a wealth of jobs that you can do within the art world, no matter your skill set and no matter your interest. You can find something that suits you. I mean, whether you want to work in marketing like myself at Queen's or, you know, you want to be an art dealer or you want to work in a gallery. The list is endless pretty much. But I think it would be really interesting to understand maybe a little bit more around the exact kind of sculptures you've been working on recently or the kind of materials you've specialised in, because you obviously are working in the metals department at Plowden Smith. So my assumption would be that would be looking at sculptures like Barbara Hepworth, for example, or, you know, kind of other large bronze kind of Henry Moores or or something similar to that. Is is that the kind of area that you're working in at the moment? I work on a lot of bronze sculptures, big and small ones. I've had a run recently of bronze horses, uh, small ones that you could put on a table, uh, all the way up to large outdoor bronze sculptures. It's a great variety, a nice example of um, copper work that uh, I did was on a uh, tide gauge hut, which if you're ever passing the Houses of Parliament uh, at Westminster Bridge, there's a just on the corner on the opposite side to the Houses of Parliament on the north bank, there is a little green copper clad hut and it's an octagonal shape and it's got instruments inside there which measure the height of the Thames. And it had been quite vandalised over the kind of past couple of decades. Some of the copper mouldings, it's it's quite an ornate little building. Some of the uh, copper mouldings had been levered up by people and broken. And so we did a really good project there with a pair of the copper. Wow, I never knew such buildings existed. And if I'm ever in and about the Houses of Parliament, I will be sure to make a stop off and have a look because it'd be fantastic to see that back in place and kind of restored to its its former glory. I know when we were chatting a little bit earlier, you know, before recording the podcast as such, you mentioned a project that you'd done quite recently, which is pretty exciting, I think, because of what it's been nominated for, which obviously we'll touch on in a little bit. But am I right in thinking that you recently worked on a another sculpture as well? Yeah, a project that we did in Silverdale. This was a it was a complete restoration of a mining memorial sculpture and it was placed there in uh, 1996 at the site of the last colliery there in Silverdale it was dedicated to to over 140 miners who'd lost their lives in the in the Silverdale mines between then and uh, last year it had deteriorated quite badly what it is is it's a 
bronze miner pushing a large wagon filled with uh, well, it looks as if it's filled with coal along a length of railway line mounted up on a large brick plinth. The wheels of the wagon are genuine coal mine wheels, but the, the wagon body itself was just constructed out of sheet steel. And how did you go about restoring something like that that had such significance in the town that it was obviously placed in and had been around for such a long time? I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin. So we went to... Uh, to Silverdale and we deinstalled it, which is quite exciting because the, the whole thing is kind of two metres up on this big plinth. And we brought the whole lot back to our workshop and sort of assessed what we could do with it. Bronze is very um, durable on the whole, so the, uh, the figure didn't really need too much work. I um, did a process called hot waxing on him, which is a classic treatment for uh, bronzes where you heat up the surface of the metal with a blowtorch and then you apply a wax to it which improves the appearance of the surface and also gives it a bit of protection from the weather. The uh, railway lines which were pretty rusty we got those shot blasted and repainted. The uh, the railway sleepers had, had completely rotted away uh, so we kind of excavated those out and replaced those with new treated wood. And then the wagons, he had that completely rebuilt. God, even just listening to you now, it's so hard to picture kind of each element of the sculpture. So I just flagged that for those listening, there will be a uh, before and after image that you can view uh, on my Instagram channel. So you can find that at James W. Quirk on Instagram and that should hopefully make it a little bit clearer to what we're talking about but it sounds like Hal it was a pretty cool project to to work on for you with a lot of different parts. Yeah it was a really great project because it was so varied had so many different aspects to it and it was one of these projects that was a real pleasure to work on because it meant a lot to the local folk of Silverdale Um, and in fact when we went to collect the sculpture to bring it back to the workshop quite a lot of people stopped and said what on earth are you doing you know why are you taking that away that's kind of part of our our community that sculpture and we sort of said oh no you don't don't worry it's it's going to be restored and we'll be bringing it back and when we did bring it back they were they were delighted and a lot of people came up to us and said that they had relatives who uh, were either named on the plaque on the uh, on the side of the Flint, or if they weren't named, they certainly worked in the mining industry in that area. So it meant a lot to the local people. I bet that's quite nice in itself because a lot of uh, conservation and my limited understanding of how it works and kind of the usual process would be that you probably don't often know who it is that you're dealing with or who it is that owns these works. I mean, sometimes they might come to you through a dealer for example that doesn't reveal the identity of the person that owns them or or maybe the same would be for an auction house is that usually the case for you yes a lot of um, objects that i work on they come in and they go away and you don't know where they're going you know if it's something that you're working on for an auction house for example you, you don't know where where it's going or you don't always know who owns the thing and there's a bit of a mystery there. Yeah, so working on a sculpture that is just loved by the people where it's originally from and where it stood for a long, long time is probably very rewarding, although obviously is 
a pretty exciting element of intrigue if you obviously get uh, an old painting into the studio and you you can't quite figure out who the owner is or, or maybe there's a guessing game there I don't know but back to the sculpture I believe congratulations are in order because if my sources are correct you have recently been nominated or your work with on the sculpture has recently been nominated for a pretty coveted award so could you tell us a little bit more about that because that's obviously very exciting Yes, that's right. Yes, we're in the shortlist. Uh, there's three sculptures in the shortlist of the Marsh Award for Excellence in Conservation, and that's um, being awarded by the Public Statues and Sculpture Association. And so there's an awards ceremony on the 9th of December where the winner will be announced. So fingers crossed. Well, I would say that now would be a perfect time to get all the listeners to vote, but I know that isn't quite how it works. So my fingers are crossed for you and hopefully you'll be celebrating on the 9th. I know it's slightly different with this public sculpture that, you know, you're not necessarily restoring because of its value, but there must be projects you've worked on in the past where you have known the value of the work that you're restoring. I mean, think of a Barbara Hepworth sculpture again. I don't know why that's in my mind today, but something like that where, you know, there's potentially extremely high value item in your hands that you have been put in charge of restoring caring for and making almost look like it was the day it was produced does that ever kind of cross your mind the the value of works that you're dealing with yes yes and of course a lot of these objects are you know they're just made of materials and i i tend not to really think too much about the value of objects and art because i'm working on them because of what material they're made of. And so a lot of these things, you know, a Barbara Hepworth bronze sculpture is just a lump of bronze at the end of the day. And so my decisions really are based on how do I work with a lump of bronze? You'd never do anything if you sort of saw a suitcase of 50 pound notes next to you and said that that's what, or, or a row of terraced houses and say, that's what this sculpture is worth. You go, oh, I, I better not touch it then. Uh, it's best not thinking about that. Yeah, it's such responsibility when you put it like that. I mean, having something in your care that you've been entrusted with to restore that is worth the same as a whole street in some circumstances is, I mean, amazing. But that aside, what kind of projects are you working on right now? You've obviously been working for a while on kind of getting that main sculpture restored for Silverdale. But is there anything else that you're kind of working on that's quite cool and exciting that, you know, you'd like to share with everyone listening today? Yes, I've got a, an early box camera in at the moment and it dates to around 1860. I belong to the current owner's father and um, the current owner inherited it recently. He brought it in the other day in, in many different pieces. I need to work out what we have, um, what what goes where and, and what bits are missing and then fabricate the missing parts. God, you always seem to be working on projects with such small and intricate parts and that's something I definitely don't envy you for. But look, Hal, I'm conscious we've been talking for a while now today and I'm sure it's a very busy time for you and everyone at Plowden Smith having just been nominated. So again, congratulations from us, everyone at Queen's and Temporary Admission are, are keeping our fingers and toes crossed for you. So please do let us know how you get on. Uh, no problem, James. It's been nice to talk to you. Likewise, it's been fascinating. So thanks again, Hal. 
And then I would just say to everyone, make sure again to check out the sculpture. You can see the before and after on my Instagram channel. That can be found at James W. Quirk, spelled Q-U-I-R-K with no E. I know sometimes a lot of people spell it with an E, so make sure you miss it off and you should be able to see a fantastic before and after. Now next week we're going to be revealing details of another exciting project, so make sure to hit subscribe, follow, whatever's most applicable for the channel you're listening on. And until then, stay safe, speak soon. Bye.